This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. about her life. She's a mom of seven guys, so she's got a lot of wisdom. Hey. Hi. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm a little congested, but it's just allergies. So I think, you know, life. <laughs> it happens. It happens. Well, I'm loving this hair thing that you have going on. This is because my hair is dirty. Okay. Listen, <laughs> everyone says I want to have pink hair until they realize the struggle. And the struggle is I can't wash my hair, but like once every two weeks. So I am like in it. Because it'll wash do... out? Yes, it fades so fast. I have to wash oh it gosh. in cold water. And it has to be every two weeks with a certain shampoo. Like I have to baby this. Like dry shampoo and crazy hairstyles like this are my life. <laughs> Uh, well, so I did the fil- the Instagram filter the other day on a reel with the purple hair and people were like, yeah. oh my gosh, your hair looks so good. I can't believe you died. I like, I got emails that were like, your hair looks great. You I'm should like, do it's it. not yes. real. It's a filter, but that filter does a great job. You know, it does. It does. But yours is real. <laughs> Mine is real. Yes. I pay a lot of good money for it. <laughs> what, what is the inspiration behind the pink hair? Oh, okay. So actually it was, I think 2011, I went to the influence conference did you hear about that back in the day it was like with Jeff yes Connelly. i've i've gone to a couple events because um haley morgan actually lives in my town okay yeah yeah so yeah th- i went there and i heard about um like fashionable came able um that clothing mm-hmm. brand and they were talking about a purpose project and they wanted to start something for women who wanted to do something fun and raise money at the same time and so their goal was um you could pick uh, a ministry or something to help out so mine was i wanted to free women from the sex industry in Africa. And it cost $400 to do that. That was a holistic care. So they took them out of the industry. They helped give them health care. They helped educate them. They helped teach them a trade, give them counseling, and then send them out with a job so they could have a future and a hope. That was $400. My goal was in one month to raise enough to free four women, $1,600. And the catch is if you raise that money, you would do something you've always kind of wanted to do. Well, I had always wanted to dye my hair pink but as a mom of like five kids at the time and a pastor's wife that was never like a yeah why don't you do that (laughs) kind of thing but I thought how could you say no to someone or like be mad at them for what the the cause was behind so cut to the chase a month went by we freed eight women wow yeah so I dyed my hair pink and then it looked really good. I thought it might not, but it looked- <laughs> how long ago was that? 2011, like no. 10 years. No, like, you've hair. had hair for 10 years. Yes. That is there- a lot of maintenance, girl. <laughs> it really is. And I have like friends in place who are kind of like Brittany. Um, I've told them, I said, if I ever get to the point where I'm too old and it's like a no go, <laughs> tell me. You're never too old. Come on. You're never I too old. I think so. I mean, I agree. But there are some times where people are like, mm, you're reaching for that. Like, I don't want to <laughs> get to that point. But until then, I'm going to rock it like 
while I can, right? Well, it's sort of part of, it's become part of your, I guess, personal brand. I know some people don't like that term. I don't know. I don't know if you like the term. I don't mind it. I don't mind it. Uh, Because, you know, it's like you go to your website, you go to your Instagram and you see the pink hair and you're like, oh yeah, it's the girl with the pink hair. It's kind of a great little trademark. It really is. I mean, we have, I have pink hair. I live in a yellow house. I have seven kids. I mean, we drive a 12 passenger van. I mean, name it. I've got all the things. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm not sure where I kind of ran into you on the internet, but regardless, I started following you and I was like, oh, I like this girl. She's one of my new favorite <laughs> accounts. Uh, so tell us about you. I mean, there's a lot of different components to your life, but I guess tell us a little bit about where you are now. And I guess maybe like how in the heck you have seven kids. <laughs> right. Well, geez, <laughs> so many time for this, right? <laughs> um, currently, we just moved to Mississippi, Jackson, Mississippi during the pandemic last August. Not mm. necessarily the best time to move, but when the Lord says move, you move. Um, so we moved to Mississippi because my husband is a children's pastor, obviously, and we have seven kids. So that makes a lot of sense. Um, I really like kids. He really does. Yeah. (laughs) And people are like, Oh, you have to stay home and watch your kids. And I'm thinking he leads a ministry. If you're going to trust your kids with his ministry, he better be able to watch his seven kids. Right. Right. Exactly. You better have it under control. (laughs) Um, but we've always loved kids. Our goal was to have four kids. I'm not kidding. And that would include adopting children, but somehow along the way, we birthed five and then adopted two um, through the foster care system when we were in Louisiana. And it's crazy and it's chaotic, but they're definitely our kids. What are the age ranges? Oh my goodness. Okay. So it's 14 to seven and I'll give it to you. It goes 14, 13, 12, 12, 11, nine, and seven. Okay. So are the 12s twins or is one of them adopted? One of them is adopted and okay. technically on one day a year, we call it triplet day because three of my kids are the same age. So uh-huh. one kid turns like on July 6th, he will turn 12, but my current 12 or he'll turn 13. My current 13 year old is still 13 the next day or that day. And then my other one had turned 13 the month before. So for one day and one day only, I have three kids the same age and it's triplet day. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. Are they in the same grade? Two of them are. And one of them isn't. Okay. Got it. Got it. So, um, when was it that you decided to start sort of doing your own ministry? Like you do coaching, you've got your, um, speaking website, all that stuff. Tell me about the, uh, the genesis of all of that for you. So, um, I worked at a church when my husband and I lived in Houston and, um, I really started out in kids ministry with my husband and I loved it, but I just kind of felt like there was something more. And our church kind of went through this like restructuring phase and they said, what do you think about doing women's ministry? And I was like, "Mm, okay. And the moment like that door opened, I was like, this, this is it. This is what I'm here for. Um, but through that time, I felt like the Lord was kind of like, this is your training ground this is not where you're always going to be. And for a while he was kind of like, I need you to step away from the small C church, working at a church individually and work for the big C church. Cause a lot mm-hmm. of times there's a lot of red tape that comes with what you can and can't do, what you're allowed to push, what you're allowed not to put, you know, all those things. And the Lord was like, I don't need you to be confined by that. I need you to work with each person and each individual. And it just kind of felt that like organically I started speaking I felt the Lord calling me to write. And then this coaching thing happened with Go and Tell Gals and Jess Connolly. And I was like, 
this makes a lot of sense. And so now I get to do what I do for anyone, anywhere, encouraging women in the church, um, encouraging women outside of the church, just to really step into what God has called them to do and to really own it. So, yeah. I like how you said, you know, working for the little, or sorry, for the big C church rather than the little C church. I don't know that everyone would put it that way um, mm. in terms of how they're doing ministry outside of the church. So what, what yeah. makes you put it that way as working for the church rather than just working in ministry? Um, I think it's because I, I think I spent a lot of time working for, this is, you talked about brands a second ago. This is my brand. I represent this church. And I think God mm. has called us as we are one body of believers. Yes, we have different homes, different um, ministries, different churches. Um, it really was enlightened to me when I was reading John, um, when Jesus said, you know, like this flock is great, but you know, this, I'm going to go out and find another flock. I'm going to get more people to bring them into fold. And I just felt like God was saying, okay, you're not supposed to be in this fence. You're not supposed to be in this flock. You're going to be the one finding the other flocks and, and bringing them together. And so I think if I operate under the fact that we are all one big church, we are all one big body, then I find more value in it and ownership. Like you are a part of my body and I'm here for the church in general, not this name or that name or just ministry. Ministry feels very vague to me and church mm -hmm. feels more like an ownership. Like we're called to be in community with our church, our local community. So I'm just making that big and broad. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that d definitely makes sense. I mean, I think so many times even Christians um, that do go to church can make um, faith and participating in Christianity be such an individual thing. And I sure. think the more we can bring people into what feels like a family and what feels like um, a place to belong in, those, yeah. in that kind of language. I think that's really helpful in, in making people feel like it's a place they want to be and a place they sure. want to go, whether that's online or to an actual building. Now, it sounds like when you started working in women's ministry, you started noticing some trends and you've sort of yeah. put that into what you do. And one of those is um, women not valuing themselves or, you know, uh, uh, comprehending the worth that they have as children of God. So talk yes. to me about that part of what you do. Gosh. Um, if there was one thing that I could say, every single woman that I've talked to has dealt with, or I've coached them through, or I've spoke to them on a stage about, it would be their worth. And it is crazy to me because even Christian women who are like, man, Jesus loves me. I understand the sacrifice that he made for me and all this they devalue themselves almost to a level of thinking themselves like, I'm not worthy enough for that. And I think there's a level to understand, no, we're not perfect. We could not save ourselves. We needed Jesus to do that. But also he considered you worthy enough to do those things. And so we've twisted like this truth into a certain way because we've wanted to run so far from what the world says is I am enough. I am this, I am perfect. I'm that. And so we have women going, but I'm not enough. I, ca I can't measure up. I understand. And instead of being like, but Jesus made me enough, we're just like, gosh, oh, I just, I'm just not good enough. And, and that's where I'm like, no, 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 sister, the Lord has called you enough. And if he did not think you were worthy, he would not send his son for you. And so my, uh, my book and my ministry has kind of been like, God has made you this way. He is going to use every single part of you, those mess ups, those mistakes, those weaknesses, even your strengths. And he's going to use them for your good and his glory. And I need you to own every single part of that because when you don't, 
you're playing it safe. And I really, truly don't believe you honor God when you play it safe. So you're worthy for it. Yeah. And it's like, you know, it, it can be confusing because we do hear the world saying you're enough and all of these things right. and uh, you know, the, the find the power within you and all of that sort of new agey language. And, and that can be, that can work temporarily. For sure. Um, but in the end, like we on our own are not going to be fulfilling our own, uh, you know, what we need to keep going. Right. And so, but, but when you read the Bible and we read how God sees us and how, you know, he, he thinks of us and how he made us, it's through him and his, um, his words and, and his strength that we are enough, but you've got to kind of make sure you've got that part of it in there because otherwise right. it makes sense that you're going to never feel enough because we're not perfect. Right. And we have, you know, we all have our, um, things that are wrong with us. Like nobody can fulfill <laughs> themselves. I, I just wrote a post about this the other day. I, I said, like, I don't really think there is such a thing as self-fulfillment, um, because mm. we can't really do it on our own. Um, so you mentioned go and tell gals. So yeah. tell us about that and what that coaching involves and, and just a little bit about it. I know a lot of people probably are familiar with Jess Connolly, but um, just about yeah. the program. So I've known Jess since like way back in the day before influence, like we were birthing our children at the same time <laughs> kind of thing, like back when before Instagram, I think. And um, so I followed her kind of all along through Go and Tell Gals, and she started the coaching program. And I thought, you know what? I kind of do this already. Like, why not actually get licensed for it? So then I look official, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> like people will really understand. Um, so I joined the program um, and it was really great. I think it's the way that they do coaching and they teach their coaches how to help women or ministry, whatever you want to coach in is so counterculture to what you see about you can do it and you can just power through and this and that. Like it really delves into who you are, what you're not, what God is calling you to do and how he can equip those things. Um, and so I, I thought that was amazing. And I wanted to do it in a way that really helped women see who they were and understand that there's going to be trials. There's going to be trouble. There's going to be fear. And guess what? Failure comes along with it too. But we can push through those things. And I think bringing the spiritual aspect into it was a huge win for me. So how does it work? Do, do like they have the program and people can sign up and do they pick a coach or they, you're assigned a person? Well, um, no, so they just train the coaches and then you kind of go off and do your own business. I am oh, I on their, you. yeah, I am on their website as, Hey, I'm the licensed coach. If you want to come to the peak care lady to be coached, um, then you can, but I kind of run it on my own. So we have training like once a quarter where we get to kind of go and kind of get like a shot in the arm, like, here we go, pump back up and then go out. But it's kind of our own business to run. So, okay. So how, how has that worked for you? I mean, how do you sort of market yourself as a coach, um, in this area? Um, well, I just do what I've already been doing. Um, one of my biggest things, which is probably not the best thing business wise, but I like to do things counterculture, obviously, <laughs> um, is I give away a lot of my stuff for free. Um, I'll do small tidbits here and there, but I never want it to be, um, like you can't do it because of the money. I want to be in it for your heart and for your future and who you are. And so I just coach that way. Um, people come to me and say, Hey, I, I see you talked about this. Can we delve more into this? Yeah, great. Let's schedule a call. Like it's been very organic and less marketing, um, for me, which is very nice. Um, but it's not like, yeah. 
hey. Yeah, no, 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 that makes sense. And, mm -hmm. and one of those things that you're doing is you're, you've started this new thing called the Bestie Club. Yeah. So tell me about the Bestie Club. <laughs> okay, so. Such a the, fun idea. I know. Okay, so it started because, um, like we've talked, I'm in the process of writing a book. So I have my proposal out with some agents and hoping to get a contract and stuff. Though I feel like the Lord has said, fall of 2021, there will be a book baby. So a contract, okay. and I'm going to hold him to his word on that. Um, but in, through that, a few of the people have been like, hey, your platform is really small, and I'm going to need you to grow that. And I've just prayed all along that the Lord would, would make such a way that he could be the only one to get glory for it. And I feel like, okay, if I had 50,000 followers, of course you'd give me a book deal. That'd be an easy win. But to give someone a book deal with a small following or, or whatever way, like I just didn't feel like it was going to be because I was some giant, you know, phenomenon um, yeah. in the social media world. And after one day of getting an email, I was like, mm, can we do it another way? Like, can't we go back to how Instagram was when it first started? Since last week and. Like we really cared about people. And I was like, mm -hmm. I want to get back to that. So what if I did something that was like no catch, no bait and switch? Like I'm not and telling you, you have to join this club and a membership fee and this and that. Like, can we not just be besties? Because I've been very transparent this whole time that I never want to be someone who you look up to or you strive to be like or anything like I want to be your friend. And as a friend, we're going to have fun together. We're going to laugh together. And I may speak some truth to you, but I have the right to do that because we've done the hard yards together. We've been friends and, and that gives me the honor to do that. And so I was like, let's just be friends. I'm a seven on the Enneagram. I don't know if you know the Enneagram. Yeah. You're a so, what? What number? A seven. So, okay. You're a seven. Yeah. Sorry. You cut out for a second. Yes. Oh, I no, yeah. am familiar with Enneagram. I'm a four. So. Okay. <laughs> So I'm always about the fun. And it was one day on my run, I was like, you know what? This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At Bow, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, BOW offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. I'm going to do this. And so I just made like a Google form. I went on Flowdesk, so I looked slightly official and created like an oh, email. Oh, yeah. I love those. I know. Me too. And I was like, hey, you want to be my bestie? Fantastic. You can sign up and I'm just going to pick random people, send them fun mail with an actual handwritten letter and you get it and you feel like, hey, this is not a bill in the mail. It's not junk mail. And I feel connected to someone on the internet. Like what? 
So instead of doing the comparison game or the you have to build it this way or check me out for this fun thing that you have to buy. No, like, let's just have fun. Let's be besties. So, yeah. Oh, that's that's really cool. How's it going so far with that? Are you getting a lot of good responses? Oh, my goodness. So many people have messaged me and been like, this is genius. I love this idea. I cannot wait. I'm so excited because it just brings out like the inner child in you. Like who doesn't want something fun and exciting in your day, like even if it's just a card, like brings you back to the small child like joy, like Disney World. Like you go to Disney yes. World as an adult, and you're like, I'm an adult, it's fine. And you walk through the doors and you're like, ah, I know? think that, yeah, that real male people just like nobody sends it anymore. Right. And I, I personally, I don't do it enough. Like if I was doing it as much as I, I wanted to, I'd be doing it a lot more, but I do make a point to get real cards and do handwritten letters yeah. to people because how fun is it? Like you never get real mail when you check the mail never. these days. Yeah. You're either just looking for your Amazon package or you're getting bills or just ads and things like that. So it really can truly make someone's day to get a handwritten card in the mail. And so I, yeah. I definitely made that a priority too. So that's, that's really cool. Um, so tell us a little bit, can you give us a peek in your book at all? Like what's it about? Yeah. So it's really for um, the younger generation. So about 20 to 30 age, and it's really just helping them reframe, flip the script on how they're thinking things. So we're going to really delve into worth and shame and failure and comparison and loneliness and, and just those things and say, but what if there was a better way? What if you could break free of those things? Um, because as I've done research, I've noticed that the second leading cause of death in 15 to 24 year olds is suicide. Mm. Like this generation is hurting and they're hurting and drowning at alarming rates. And who's going to get up and help them? Like, yeah. I have answers. I have hope, and I can help them now. So why not kind of thing? So Yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. I think it's like this um, perfect storm of this generation being the social media, internet stuff yeah. combined with a more like postmodern culture where people are leaving church and they're not as connected to faith. I think those two things together are just an awful combination for this for generation sure. that you're talking about. And it's for scary. Sure. And I, you know, my audience, I'm talking to sort of a broader range of people, but mm -hmm. same sort of thought process. Like there is something, you know, that is available to you. And when you look at the statistics for um, faith practices and all the things that go along with that, which I'm sure you mm -hmm. talk about some of that in your book, you can see the numbers and the statistics start to change when people implement yeah. this stuff into their lives. And it's hard to make a, make an argument just using numbers and data. And so I think by purpose, I'm sure you'll have personal stories as I do For in my sure. upcoming book, um, personal stories of people who actually took action and changed their lives. And you can just really see the the proof, the tangible evidence mm -hmm. of prioritizing these things in your life and really, um, making like taking, taking someone's advice, not just listening, not just listening to us talk. Right. Yeah. How many times do we all do that? We hear someone like, yeah, that's a good idea. Or like, oh, this Ted talk was so great. And then just move on and you never right. do the thing. You never do the thing. And so yeah. I think finding a way to get people to actually do the thing, 
um, it is part of the whole, the whole story. Okay. So just a couple minutes left. I know your kids are coming home. I have a meeting, so we're going to, we're going to race through the last year, but yes. just as a mom of seven, you know, I would love to hear sort of how you, I mean, I'm not going to ask you how you balance because nobody does that, but sort right. of how you, I guess, maintain your sanity, or do you have any hacks or things that you do keep yourself sort of on can I say on fleek? That's not a thing, right? Like, no, but I will allow it. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, what do you have hacks? Do you have habits that you use to sort of keep yourself on the straight and narrow? I mean, okay. So I have been actually given the gift of not being able to live up to any standards. I think <laughs> when you have like a few amount of kids, you feel like they need to be combed and properly groomed and all these presentation things. Like when you go to church or out in public or whatever, when you have seven kids, you're lucky one, if all seven arrive to the destination, like you may have left one at <laughs> home, where's his shoes, like humility out the wazoo for me. So I think understanding that lowering my standards and just focusing on what really matters has been a huge blessing for me. Um, they have chores. My kids have chores to do. That's not, you get paid to do chores. That's a congrats. We all live in the same house. We all get <laughs> to help kind of thing. Um, above and beyond that, we may talk about money, but this is, this is just life. We all get to do it to live in this home. Um, I menu plan. That is a huge thing for us because if not, our grocery bill is crazy. So I plan out for every two weeks. I cannot even imagine how much milk you guys drink. A lot. Loaves of bread, too. Like, people bread. don't understand. Oh my One gosh, loaf go, of bread for meal. We go bread, like, well, you have, are you, what's the ratio of boys and girls? Three boys, but they're all the older ones and four girls. So that's a lot. Oh, my God. I mean, that's a lot of food. That's so much a, food. Yes, yes, yes. So much food. Um, that's <laughs> why, like, if not, like, our grocery bill could be so crazy. So if I plan it out and strategically map it, then, then we're good. Um, I also set alarms for everything because if not, I'm going to forget. So every night at 7:45, I have an alarm to go up and check the kids' rooms because they're messy and they've taken advantage of that. And so I have to be like, 7:45, how's your room? Look, I'm going to come up and look. <laughs> that's funny. D does everyone have their own room or people share rooms? I mean, that's cute if you think I had an eight-bedroom house, but I do <laughs> hey, not. I didn't know. <laughs> Remember, I said my husband works at a church, so. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um, we were super blessed and fortunate to get a four-bedroom house, which we were able to kind of make into a five-bedroom house. Um, we just need a big home with our size of people. So everyone but one person shares a room. And when my kids kind of complain, I'm like, man, I even have to share a room too. Your dad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> seriously. Oh, that's too funny. Uh, well, that's so, so fun. I feel like we could just keep talking about a million right. things, but we're going to cut it off. But I'm so yeah. glad. I'm so glad that you got on here with me today. Like I'm going to be yeah. following your book journey, following all the stuff that you're doing. I encourage everyone to, to also go follow Brittany. And, yeah. um, yeah, just keep me posted on what you're up to and, uh, let's stay in touch. I will. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited about your book too. Like we oh. can just like trade books, you know? Yes. Fingers <laughs> crossed. I'm still working on that. I'm still waiting to hear back. I got, uh, you know, some conversation with a couple publishers. So that's nothing, big. Nothing official. Nothing official yet. I've so. learned to like celebrate every step because it's forever long. 
And so I'll tell people, I'm like, I know this doesn't sound like a big deal, but it's a big moment for me. Like when the proposal was finished, I was like, like you it know, it nothing, is but. because every step is something that, I mean, like most people don't do because how many yeah. people say they're going to write a book and there's a lot that goes into it. And most so people give much. up. And so mm-hmm. if you don't give up, you're like one, like 1% or something of, of the people. And so I do think it's important to celebrate every step along the way because really cliche, but you know, it's in the journey, right? So right. totally, yes. totally. <laughs> hate cliche, but had to I know, say it. Right. No. <laughs> All right. Well, you, you have to go get your kids. So it was great to talk to you and yes. I will talk to you again soon. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Bye. Bye. This episode was brought to you in part by the Better Samaritan Podcast, where Jamie Ayton and Kent Annan discuss everything from simple acts of kindness to complex humanitarian challenges with their guests. Want to learn how to faithfully do good better? Find insights at The Better Samaritan.